Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Maury Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And today's episode is brought to you by the Martin SC-13E Koa. The SC-13E, with its patent-pending Shoreline neck system, gives you full access to all frets so you can comfortably reach those high notes. It's also equipped with a new low-profile velocity neck carve, and its asymmetrical body shape provides balanced output, giving you more gain before feedback, making it great for the stage. But the SC-13E is still a Martin, so it sounds just as impressive unplugged. If you'd like more information on the Martin SC-13E, please visit maurismusic.com today. What's happening today, Spoon? Well, I'm uh, very excited about the SC-13E, I have to tell you. Um, some people may know that I actually wrote the article. Um, some people may know I wrote the article on that in the Martin's uh, journal, annual journal that they do when that model first came out. Um, I was, you know, being an old-fashioned Martin guy that I am, uh, I was skeptical about the SCs when I first heard about them, and I got to see uh, various uh, research and development, you know, guitars that they uh, were experimenting with, and uh, and I have to say, I've, uh, you know, I was really pleasantly surprised at how successful those 13 fret SC models are, uh, with the course that 13 ECOA being the, the first one they ever came out with. Uh, I'd like to also say this program, in addition to the SC-13E COA, this program is also brought to you by Spoon's Technical Difficulties, as uh, <laughs> we have to ta tape this one with me wearing a, just a normal USB headset because I've had some equip equipment malfunctions in my normal microphone and preamp and all that stuff is not available for this one. So hopefully I'm still coming through okay and it will sound good enough to proceed on this uh, podcast that's going to actually have a couple different topics. Uh, for one thing, we are taping this shortly before we go off and reunite at Martin Fest in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, with the hotel being technically in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, and um, that's just coming up shortly. But we're going to do a little bit of a Martin Fest preview at the end of the program so we can end this program on a on an upbeat, fun note. Wow, it sounds like uh, between last week and this week, you started running the whole show by yourself. You will respect my authority! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that was a great impersonation of me, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Good Enough. If they ever write a book about Mari's music, it's going to be called Mari's Music, Good Enough. So I think that's perfect. <laughs> I don't think there's any... Any reason to strive any, any better? If we had better sound last week than the week before that, it was probably more accidental than produced. But I shouldn't talk <laughs> down about ourselves. We put lots of time into this. And if we have to have one of those weeks where you're going to be a Mr. Headset, it's going to happen again at Martin Fest. If we play our cards right, we're going to sit down with at least one or two friends, try to put some podcast episodes together there. And that's going to be Headset City. So maybe this is a good week to experiment with that idea anyway. But I do think today's topic, at least one of the topics, I'd like to talk about Guitar Center. And if for no other reason, it seems like you and I are the last two YouTubers who still have not talked about Guitar Center. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pike all the time. And if you just do a search for anything with uh, acoustic guitars, electric guitars, guitar news, and you type it into a YouTube search bar, I almost guarantee you're going to see someone's done a video whether it's in the past couple of months or the past year or so, there's almost always news breaking that, that Guitar Center is getting rated and reviewed 
lower and lower and lower as far as Moody's and those businesses that do the, the really technical stuff that we're not going to get into. I want to start by saying we are not offering credible commentary on the legal or financial <laughs> side of any of this. Uh, the impending doom that we're going to talk about, we're just interested in a healthy conversation about two things. The possibility of a retail future without Guitar Center in it and the impact that future could have on guitar players, buyers, other stores, and manufacturers. So it hardly matters if we're right to assume the Guitar Center is really, really in big trouble. But let's get the conversation going back and forth, not just with each other, but I'd love to see some YouTube commentary. If you are watching this, whether it's in real time or the uh, if you see the replay somewhere, if you know or have an interest in the subject of Guitar Center and them having a real hard time right now, where do you see it going? And if it were to happen, I'm extremely curious as a, as a guitar player, as much as a music store owner, as a Martin and Blue Ridge dealer, there are so many moving parts here that feel like in the short term and the long term could look either completely bleak or maybe even advantageous to some, you know, some facets of this. And I'm really curious to see what the, what the experts know. So that's not the important part today. But Spoon, let me just start by asking you, uh, do you have any Guitar Center experiences or stories that you may have thought to talk about if somebody was to ask you, have you shopped there? Do you have a history working with them? Oh, well, yes. That's Well, actually, several stories. So before we get there, I, I noticed that you had mentioned people uh, putting in YouTube comments. For those of you on other platforms listening to this podcast, uh, if if you see the YouTube version, you can actually leave comments and, and, and uh, that other people can read and respond to and all that. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, you can also uh, reach out at uh, via email to Maury's Music, we'd still love to hear uh, any comments you have, suggestions of future podcast topics, all that kind of stuff. You can also, you know, do that by reaching uh, Maury's through. Well, which is the best uh, email address for them to write to? Uh, support at Maury'sMusic.com. Very good. Well, I certainly support Mars Music, and uh, and I have supported <laughs> you know Guitar Center in the past. You know, I have to say uh, right up front, the Guitar Center uh, has been the butt of jokes over the years for many years of uh, you know in that Wayne's World sort of thing that you're basically going to go in and get a bunch of teenagers playing Stairway to Heaven. Though I'm sure teenagers don't play Stairway to Heaven anymore. I'm not sure what they would play now, but uh, but. <laughs> Um, you know, and also that you know the idea that you're ending up with these uh, sort of surfer dudes who don't really know what they're talking about. You know, bottom bottom feeder retail guys, and and but I you know I can speak from experience that uh, there's lots of people that are employed by Guitar Center that do know what they're talking about and are you know uh, love uh, music and musical instruments. And in fact, uh, we'll be seeing a, a good friend of Martin Fest that has worked at Guitar Center for many many years and. I'm sure, you know, if Guitar Center goes away, uh, those people also will certainly be impacted, um, perhaps more than I will be. And I think uh, Guitar Center is, is good for uh, lots of people. It gave them a walk-in experience for strings or whatever if they had a Guitar Center nearby. In my case, the Guitar Center is all around New York City, and I can walk to one. But there's, you know, there are multiple ones. And, um, and on the other hand, at least back during the days when uh, Martin allowed dealers to 
to offer discount prices that were beyond uh, what you would typically see advertised on the internet. Guitar Center also did not do that. And for people who didn't know any better, then you were usually paying top dollar if you were buying a Martin guitar at a Guitar Center. In fact, my uh, Brazilian Lawrence Juber model that I had bought back in the day, those things uh, listed for 10 that meant that they were selling for 6000 at 40% off at places like Mari's Music and uh, other uh, dealers who were allowed to, you know, who could afford to offer a deep discount. And they came out shortly before the first Brazilian Rosewood crisis when uh, Martin was about to get a big boat of Brazilian Rosewood. And then it turned out that there was some question as to the validity of the paper trail, that this was truly uh, above board, CITES Treaty, present Rosewood, and Chris Martin just said, nope, because he's a huge uh, supporter of environmental uh, sustainability and all that, and saving the ecosystems around the world, and he just said, nope, we just we're just not buying Brazilian rosewood from that source. And all of a sudden, they got rid of the Brazilian rosewood golden era guitars. They got, and the Juber model that was selling for six and listing at 10 was suddenly selling for 10 or more. And Guitar Center suddenly put a $10,000 price tag on what had been a $6,000 guitar the week before. Um, unfortunately, they also advertised uh, as having the best prices and that they would match any deal. And so I walked in with a quote from another dealer on, in another uh, state, and they had to sell me my Juber at their normal cost. So that's, you know, that's one Guitar Center story <laughs> that I'll start <laughs> with. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've certainly used them as a, a walk-in resource when I needed cleaning supplies, any of that kind of stuff, really from the pre Mari's music era. And I had had other dealers. I mean, my, my dealer uh, for years before I, I met you was Stan Jay at Mandolin Brothers on Staten Island. He was the oh, guy sure. I considered my dealer and Matt Ewanoff. Matty uh, and I also went way back. But, but um, so I didn't typically... I didn't typically go to Guitar Center, certainly not when it came to buying guitars, and um, uh, except for that Brazilian Juber, because they had they had one that had like a perfectly straight grain back and and the most amazing uh, grade A it was literally graded eight uh, limited edition on this you know in the back in the old days when they would write the pencil on the bottom of the of the soundboard in terms of how they huh. rated it. So so you know I bought that there because of the specific guitar. But, but um, wow. and I'm sure and I'm sure a lot of your you know a lot of your listeners and customers of that uh, that live near Guitar Center have pulled in there when they needed to get strings or picks or or you know looking at music books whatever. So obviously, if Guitar Center really goes away, uh, there'll be suddenly a pretty big void in certain communities that don't. Again, not like New York City. I also have Sam Ash, and I have. Uh, Tom Crandall's store, and I've got, you know, if I, if there's plenty of little mom and pop guitar stores here that aren't necessarily like Martin and Gibson dealers or Taylor dealers, but uh, that could still service the community. My friends in Ohio, I can't say the same thing. You know, they, they have to travel miles and miles and miles to get someplace, and 
if Qatar Center goes away, then a lot of those people will have to travel miles and miles more. So, so, so that's my first initial uh, blabbing too long blab about that. Uh, what are your comment? <laughs> what are your comments on based on my comments? Well, I I wasn't expecting anything you know real juicy, or you didn't disappoint me there, but you did make a comment earlier how you know. GC could be the butt of some jokes. If you're looking for that in this podcast, I'll save you some time. It's not going to happen. We're not going to use this platform to beat up on anybody. And I'm sure it's like herding cats. If I tell you that I want to try and ask you to keep the responses civil in the comment section, I don't know that anybody would really listen to that. But we're not trying to stir anything up or get anybody to go ahead and, and light that fire where, hey, Guitar Center, this is how bad they are. A lot of people call us up and talk, you know, Martin guitars and Blue Ridge guitars. And the people that do spend the time on the phone with us that have a guitar center, more often than not, they are complaining about when they go into the store, here's what's wrong. And it's it's one of those things where I don't know how guitar center can win in anybody's eyes because if somebody's so used to being able to go to their local GC and play whatever they want and then complain on the forums later that night. <laughs> I can't stand this store. They let anybody play anything they want. Well, it's I'm not I'm not that different about that when it comes to shopping for other things. If I want to go and buy something, I do want the ability to put it in my hands, and I also do want to buy something that wasn't in 95 pairs of hands. So it's either or. So if you're one of those people that really really do value, you know, buying from a guitar store and getting a pristine instrument that might mean, this is my, my commentary, not speaking for Spoon at all, that might mean you're better served buying from a reputable dealer who keeps their guitars very clean, or like in our case, our guitars aren't played by anybody except me, because they, you know, the time Spoon's here, he'll demo them, I'll demo them. The two of us are the only people right now that are getting our hands on something like that. The downside is, you can't run through Coldale, hop out of your car, walk in here and play whatever you want. So it's kind of an either-or thing. So I just want to Basically, whether I'm good business or not, I want to echo the sentiments of, of real people who know the difference. You can't go into a store, any kind of store, and play something or touch something and then complain that too many people had that opportunity as well. Either everybody's allowed to play it and that leaves you the opportunity to really play before you buy or, or you can't. And, and somebody made a comment on another video that I watched earlier where you could sort of have a little bit of policing where if you don't just let anybody play anything. You might have guitars that cost 15 grand and they aren't by the door sitting on a stand without being locked up. Like there are methods and measures you can take to keep the best stuff harder to get at. Maybe you've got to ask a salesperson to see that one, etc. I'm not going to get into all those details, but what I mean is if, if you came here looking for an opportunity to jump on the I'm bashing Guitar Center bandwagon, we're not driving that at all today. And I really do feel bad for any retail store, whether it's a Guitar Center or not, who lets people come in without an appointment, lets the floor traffic that walks through the door and plays whatever they want to play, that inventory, it's that's going to be what happens to that inventory. So it, it's a tough situation to be in. I don't know what to say about those customers who want both sides of that. But the only Guitar Center stories I really have since I've been a dealer I've gone there on occasion to buy a guitar stand or a speaker cable, and I even bought my nephew maybe four or five years ago. I bought him a little Squire Strat when he was, you know, starting to seem interested in playing guitar instead of drums. And I these weren't major purchases, and, and maybe some people would say, you know, why didn't I go and buy them wholesale somewhere else? It was just a convenience thing, 
And the times I've been in Guitar Center over the past five, six years, even though it wasn't major purchases, I don't have any horror story. Maybe they were slightly understaffed at times, and this is before the pandemic, but if I was in a guitar store, there are two that are within less than an hour and a half drive from me. And if I was in a guitar center, you know, maybe 2014, 2015, I don't have any nightmare story to really, you know, say on the microphone, except for there might've been times where I could say, I wish there were more people in the store to, to wait on you and help you and the line was a little bit long, but geez, I mean, that's, that's really nitpicking. And I can't, I can't come here incredibly sound like that's something to, to cry about. So I think Guitar Center, in my specific experience as a retailer, has been fine. What we're talking about today where they might actually not be around very long. Spoon, you, you mentioned, a, you, you know, you've used Guitar Center for things that like cleaning supplies. I wonder how many people would be really wrecked if Guitar Center wasn't around because they can't buy strings and polish? And how many people would be like, well, what am I gonna do now? That's where I buy all of my expensive instruments. I, I'm very curious if Guitar Center is doing better on the retail floor, selling parts and accessories or actually selling guitars themselves. And how many people are going into Guitar Center and playing guitars, but not buying them? Oh, yes. And, and you know, um, just to a comment on your comments after my comments. Um, I think Guitar Center, I don't know if they're really the first, but they're certainly the first on the massive scale that took on the, the department store retail idea, and which is that which also happened in electronics. So if you look at Best Buy, one of the advantages of Best Buy is that uh, you're really looking at the uh, laptops available at Best Buy at all of their stores. So the store in Seattle, if it has the actual laptop, they'll ship it to your local store in Denver, you know, sort of thing. That And, and Guitar Center would do that with guitars. You could look on their high-end guitars on the website, and you weren't just looking at the ones in your town. So they would, you know, they would move them around. And, um, and also, as a big retailer, those days that you went in and had a long line, they, can't, they couldn't really hire and have that many people on the floor to cut, to get that one really busy day when not all every day was that busy you know and that they they had to run into those kind of logistical problems that big businesses have and um and so you know they like I agree with you you know I think all, overall they were very successful at it uh the the problems now are um what you just said when it comes to the the, the guitarists out there that have relied on Guitar Center and gotten used to it. Well, there was this chain, uh, we didn't have them here in the East, but Mars Music was huge in, from Texas all the way to the West Coast and stuff, and they went away. And they probably went away partially because of Guitar Center's success. But, <laughs> um, but, it's, uh, but you didn't also, you didn't have Mars Music in, in so many locations like you do with Guitar Center. And so... Um, it's, it is, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting, but I have to say, I think it's really going to happen. Uh, the most recent thing that I heard, like you said, we're not financial experts. The most recent news that I saw in preparation for this was that right now, Guitar Center, their income is down so much uh, and, and in terms of, you know, recovering from the pandemic, but also right now down so much 
that they can't make their interest payments on their current debt. And that, some people feel, is really is a, is a, a tipping point that despite the fact that they've had issues and the pandemic certainly didn't help them anymore, you know, like it didn't anyone else, uh, made them worse, that this is, this is a new thing, that they're reaching a new area that might, they may not be able to come back from. And so this isn't just a, 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 you know, a what if, you know, this isn't just a what, what would it take for the Detroit Lions to win the Super Bowl this year kind of podcast where people can, <laughs> can just magically come up with, you know, all kinds of stuff that they do on sports podcasts all the time. And says the Browns fan. No one holds them accountable for the ridiculous predictions at the beginning of the season. But um, <laughs> it's part of the fun for the speculation. Uh, and so <laughs> speculating about this, it's not, a, it's not a pleasant topic, but it's certainly worth speculating about because it's a, it's a realistic uh, scenario that Qatar Center may actually go away. So you and neither of us obviously are, are those kind of regular customers that rely on Guitar Center. So uh, I am curious to hear about the, the man in the street who will be commenting on YouTube about, about that. Um, what do you think about in terms of well, you are you are a guitar retailer, so you're a guitar re- retailer. Uh, you're not like a direct competitor of them, the way Sam, you know big big other big companies like Sam Ash is. But what about the mom and pop uh, stores out there? What do you think Guitar Center, if Guitar Center goes away, what would that mean for you? I mean, I think a lot of people out there would assume, well, that'll be good for your business because guitars you're not competing with Guitar Center anymore. But I'm curious, what what do you think about that, or what do you think somebody in your position is it going to have much effect? Do you think on Mari's music if that becomes the future? That's a really really fair question, and and it comes up every once in a while. I mean, this is a you know, the break last in case of emergency with Guitar Center has happened so many times now. It's almost like, are they crying wolf? And I know you're saying that it's coming and it's just, it, it just feels like it's not the, it's certainly not the first time I've ever watched a video that it said it's coming. And now it's going to be the first time I'm on a video saying that we're hearing this. But the first reaction one might think is if you're, if there are 600 dealers out there for Martin and one of them goes away, it's, less competition if one of those dealers is guitar center and guitar center i don't know how many stores they have but if they all went down the innocent thing to think is well they're not going to be fighting for inventory against us they're not going to be fighting for sales against us i don't know enough about business to get into the, the fine details but that can't be that easy and it cannot be accurate i don't think guitar center going away is just a matter of everybody else who's vying for those sales gets to take them And the same could hold true, and we'll get to a a tributary of that question later, how that actually affects the end user. But if if I'm going to Martin Guitar as often as I am to get inventory, and I'm trying to buy guitars, stock them, photograph them, demo them, and sell them, and so is Guitar Center. Once Guitar Center stops, you might think that is an improvement, but I have a feeling that that's going to be a lot more difficult to rationalize because if Martin Guitar knows that they have dealer orders every you know, say every NAM show they they put the opening orders in and then throughout the year maybe one dealer like us they might make they might make orders weekly like we do some other dealer might make an order every two or three weeks the point being if Martin collects orders from Mari's collects it from Guitar Center collects it from 
the other dealers that are out there and they, they kind of get an idea how many they want to build, it, it certainly does trickle down to the customer orders from the Mari's and the other stores and the guitar centers as well. Now, if Mari's ordered, say, $500,000 worth of Martins in January because we thought we needed 400000 and we wanted to have extra, if we would start selling them too quickly, we'd have to order more and wait for them. The same holds true from the manufacturer down to the distributor. If Martin always expects Mari's to order 500000 in January and we start ordering a lot less or a lot more, I would never even want to wish this headache on anybody as far as what Martin forecasts to build instruments and to buy all the supplies to do it. But to try to fast forward through this ramble, if the way things are going right now, Martin has a reasonable handle on what they need to build, what they need to deliver to dealers, that is going to be so thrown on its head. If, if Guitar Center just ceases to order anything, number one, Martin's already begun to build all the guitars that Guitar Center expects to receive this year, where do they go? If they end up going onto Martin guitar shelves, that's a problem. If they end up going to dealers who have been begging for inventory for 10 months, that's a gigantic win. And right now, I mean, there's situations where we're, we're waiting more than a year for most of our inventory. And I would have to think that if all the Guitar Center stores no longer pull from that pile, it's going to be beautiful because we're going to get guitars a lot quicker. I, I know enough to know that I don't know enough to feel like that's smart. That can't be good. There's no way Martin can get that news and say, oh, Guitar Center, now you're not taking this gigantic pile of instruments. No problem. We'll just give them to someone else. The other dealers have to be ready for them. They have to be able to afford them. They have to have room to put them somewhere. And what I don't know is all the Guitar Center customers, if they have a backorder situation and they tell somebody next week, listen, we're not a store anymore. I can't get you that guitar. What are you going to do? Will every single end user just say, that's okay, I'll get it from someone else? Or will, the, will, the, will there be problems? I'm fascinated uh, to understand what... It's, it's a gigantic ripple. It's like throwing a gigantic stone or a gigantic boulder in a lake and it's going to go everywhere. What, what is it going to mean? Um, I, I'm trying to find a, a professional way to say that I'm, I'm dumbfounded in how this could actually work where it's, it's not interrupting something because uh, it just doesn't seem like the machine that Guitar Center is could just unplug itself and not, not be problems somewhere. I, I've, I've got no idea. Well, it's a fascinating topic. I, you know, I wish, I wish I had, you know, a better grasp on on it. I, you know, anything we're saying here, we're supposing or or imagining happening, um, and it one, it may not happen, or if it does happen, I don't really know the scope of that as well. Like I say, I do. I'm not one of the people that that Guitar Center is the only shop, you know, that I can easily get to and that definitely happens uh, out across the country so um so but i you know i have to say i think just like really everything else out there uh, the pandemic really escalated the mail order business in a way you know lots of people who never used amazon very often found themselves using Amazon every single day during the pandemic and, you know, for things they would have never been ordering offline before. And as much as us, uh, those of us who have the ability to to uh, have nearby merchants that we can support, you know, hardware stores, clothing stores, whatever, um, 
Amazon's still a pull for a lot of people because they their volume is so high that they can keep the prices down. And I think Guitar Center did that too, uh, it, with some exceptions. Like I said, prior to the pandemic and Martin chain getting rid of the the uh, list price versus discount price and all that, and now there's just the price. Um, suddenly, Guitar Center has more competition than they ever had before. So while they uh, were walk-in and mail order, um, now everybody's selling uh, for the same prices that they are. And so I don't know how that changes the competition model at all. I don't know if that's in to their benefit. I would think it would be to their benefit because Mari's Music can no longer offer guitars at 40% off list because now list is the real price. So you're now in, in that sense, you are in direct competition with them. So, I, you know, it's, all, it's a very fascinating uh, topic of will it have a big impact on your business and other small uh, dealers and in your case you sell Martins and you sell Blue Ridge and you know and you have some other peripherals and things that you sell and for a while you had the uh, you know you were selling electric guitars and things like that but um, you're you're still in a unique situation compared to dealers that have seven eight twelve different brands of you know acoustic guitars and uh, all pricing levels so oh, um, yeah so that you know that, that puts you in a, in a unique situation so um so i don't really have uh an answer uh direct answer of of what will it all mean but it is uh it's a you know i'm still fascinated at the possibilities yeah and that that makes me want to ask our listeners whether you're listening on the podcast platforms or youtube um if you're a guitar center employee if you're a martin employee if you have some knowledge about the financial side of this and you see what's coming and how it's going to affect anything, if you're the kind of person that wants to participate, please consider you know, chiming in with your point of view. Again, we don't want any flames in the comments. We're not looking for arguments. We're, so, we're not looking at all to point blame or to anything negative. If there's anybody out there that can take what we're talking about and make some sense of it, I'd love to read it. Again, if you want to reach out to us personally and not be public about it, it's support at mariesmusic.com. That's always invited. One thing that I'm sort of watching, and I it goes back to the uh, question I had earlier, where are people going to, into guitar centers and buying the guitars they're playing, or are they just playing them and leaving them there? Martin has begun to catch up on Mexico product over the past 10 months. I do wonder if most guitar centers sell more Mexico Martins or a mix of Mexico and USA, because right now, Taking the emotion out of it and not being politically correct and not being polite, if Guitar Center stopped buying Martin guitars this month and that meant all of their orders can bump up everyone else's, we wouldn't be waiting until January for a D28. We would probably get it much sooner. Might get it, you know, this month or next month. If that's going to happen, is it like right now, Martin's, you know, emailing us once a week. We have a lot of Mexico product in stock. So if I want to get a DX1E, I could probably call them. Monday and get it Wednesday. If I want a D28, like I just said, it's going to be a lot longer of a wait. I do wonder if Guitar Center stopped pulling from the pile, would that make Nazareth made 16 series, 15 series standards, etc., a lot more available a lot quicker? And if that would happen, again, taking the emotion out of it, would Martin be just as happy to say, instead of selling these 600,000 guitars to Guitar Center, 
all these dealers that are waiting for this stuff 12 months, 16 months, it all gets bumped up. Would those dealers be ecstatic or would they be like, oh my God, I had no idea that was coming. Like with Mari's music, I would say, back the truck up. Like, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll, I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> Some other dealer might say, that's great news, Martin, but I have too many tailors and Yamahas and keyboards and drum sets coming this month. I still want to keep on my schedule. Again, this is the whole thing where if, if it worked out that Martin could divvy up all of Guitar Center's inventory to all the other dealers, I, boy, I... I I feel like if I keep talking about it, I'll start knowing, and I don't know. But I, I have to think that <laughs> cert, certain SKUs would be would be really welcomed in a lot of dealers, and certain other ones would. I mean, if if they told us hypothetically, you know, next week we have a lot of your winter guitars are ready now, take them. I would say, well, show me the list because I there are probably thirteen I would I would really love to have before the end of this week. There might be five or six that I I'm not sure I'm ready for. So it's not, without getting into some some terms we're not supposed to talk about outside of the the martin and dealer contract it's it seems like i i, I bet i would have a handle on what's going to go down but i i don't know it's it's I, I i feel silly to keep saying that i don't know and and the last thing i want to do is put a topic together for a podcast and just keep telling you that i don't know things but i want to be transparent <laughs> i if, if i had an idea I, I would share it here and i'm just i'm i'm really stumped well since since i was a kid i used to say that the the most used phrase in every language has got to be the equivalent of I don't know and because uh, we <laughs> speculate about things we don't know and but um, but to go back to what uh, just uh, s what you started with was is Guitar sell uh, Center selling more Mexico product as you call it and for people who are not that familiar uh, with the Martin's uh, product scheme, the Road series and the X series are made at the Navajoa uh, plant in Mexico. And uh, so I guess I would say yes, only because I always remember when Chris Martin said to me that 50% of the acoustic guitars that are manufactured and sold around the world, and he's talking about flat top steel string acoustic guitars, cost $500 or less. Now he said that to me maybe 10 years ago. So yeah. maybe it's now $800 or $1,000 or less. But we're still talking about the fact that Martin isn't even in business and in competition with half of the acoustic guitars being made and sold around the world. So that's something to remember. But that means to me that a company that works on the scale as grand as Guitar Center has and whatever other you know, multi-state and maybe even multi-country uh, de dealers out there, uh, like I guess Sam Ash, I can't think of any others right now that would qualify, uh, they probably sell a large amount of inexpensive Martins, of the bottom end Martins, simply because more, there are more people walk into a guitar store to buy a guitar thinking they're going to spend $300 to get a good guitar because they have no concept whatsoever of what goes into a professional level musical instrument. I remember someone I won't say uh, thought <laughs> that she'd just do me a favor and buy me a mandolin for my birthday. <laughs> 
And she confessed this to me one one night at some party when she'd had a little to drink. And she's like, you know, do you know how much they cost? They're very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) I think she thought she was going to pay $250 to get me a mandolin. And and just never occurred Mm. to her that she could spend two thousand dollars to mount a mandolin, you know, or or a lot more, and uh, and so I think I think a lot of people, uh, even people who are good musicians and love playing the guitar and stuff, their life, whatever it is, what their you know their disposable income, or if they have disposable income, has to go to so many things that as much as they'd like to have a D twenty eight, they can't justify the cost. And that's where the road series comes in, because those are really good guitars for the money. Um, so are the X series. My ex uh, roommate Tola, the uh, Englishman, uh, Nigerian Englishman, uh, he moved in with a DX1, and he he went to a guitar center. He had people play it. Uh, people who worked there had other people play it. He listened to them. That was the one that he thought sounded the best. He knew nothing about Martins. He just played with, uh, had somebody playing guitars for him in the same price range. And he said that sounded the best by far. So he was surprised when he moved in. And I had Martins and knew about them. And, you know, um, I talked to him recently. He's now lives in New Jersey and he's, he's still playing. And, uh, and it actually got pretty good, you know. Uh, he likes to play a lot of the sort of you know modern progressive rock stuff on his on his DX1 and um, and I think there's probably more guitar center customers maybe a vast vast number more uh, that are those kind of uh, musicians and those kind of uh, buyers spenders uh, than the ones that that actually get to play that you know would actually buy something that's locked up in the glass case at a guitar center um, so hypothetically if you follow that logic all the way through if guitar center are mostly ordering road series the x series the little martins and when they go away that's what's going to become even more available at martin well that's already available so ironically if guitar center would stop ordering from the big pile next week the guitars that martin already has available already there so they Martin would be stuck with, quote-unquote, too many Road Series and X-Series. It wouldn't help push the pipeline of Standard Series and 15 Series faster. So my idea of maybe that would help us get our stuff sooner than we're waiting for it now, long story short, would not be the, the quick ticket. So that's just, it's, of course, it's all speculation, but But it's also, but it's relative, too, because even if, even if they're massive, even if I'm correct in my guess that this massive number of of speaking Martin relative to Martin's overall catalog, lower price guitars is where is what they really move. They have so many stores and so many customers that even if the standard series and modern deluxe series instruments are a smaller percentage of their overall sales, they're probably still more than any other dealer, you know, with, with other, uh, other than like Sweetwater, which is, you know, that's, that's something else that, you know, is a, is a really an internet entity. I don't even know if Sweetwater has shops. I'm assuming they must have a store somewhere, but, but, um, yeah, they do have one huge store, but I see your point. That's a really good point. Even though they're, they're going to be, you know, heavy on the Mexican product, it doesn't mean they don't order, uh, 
a you know a metric ton of 16s and standards so that yeah and I, sh I shouldn't go too quick to my other idea you're right they're still ordering more d28s than i'll probably order in five years however it's all i this is again completely uh totally off the top of my head speculation. Given the long history, which is now a long history of their financial problems, their, their, their debt problems, and I, I'm, not a, you know, I'm no economist, so I do understand how huge corporations operate in debt all the time. And some of them, you go into bankruptcy and they never go away. They get bankruptcy protection and they work out the debt and all the financial institutions make money hand over fist and all the interest in selling the debt and all that stuff that goes on. I don't know that much about it. But I would be surprised, though, this has gone on for so long, I would be surprised if Martin and Taylor and Gibson and any of the other, and you know Paul Reed Smith, who anybody who's a big player, uh, is still providing them with the same number of guitars they did before things got rough. I would be surprised if they're not kept on a short leash saying, we have, we're keeping you in business, here's your products, but we don't know when the rug's going to be pulled out from under you and and what that's going to have, you know, what what's that's going to mean for us? So I maybe not. Maybe maybe they're they're selling every bit as you know they they're getting the same pipeline of products and guitars and keyboards and everything else that they sell and microphones that they always have. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of their bigger customers are, are a little wary of um, plying them with the zillions and zillions of guitars when their other customers are waiting an extra long time. So I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. It would be, you know, I may sniff around in Nazareth next week and, you know, do some off-the-record off the uh, <laughs> uh, talking with some people there just to see, just to see. Um, yeah, well, pull me aside when we're nowhere near these microphones because I'm going to be there too. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time the next week at NazFest. And, and I... I think if, if I'm being a, a good co-host, and I, I want to try to say that I am, all this doom and gloom, it's been almost 40 minutes of just, you know, all this stuff's going wrong. Would you mind if I, uh, if I try to throw another segment at you just to bring some levity? Well, sure. But also, before we do that, we can move off of Martin entirely and, and go to the next little episode from my top 10 reasons to own a Blue Ridge guitar. Okay, well, just to review, the number 10 reason to buy and own a Blue Ridge guitar was their very cool parlor guitars, the little uh, equivalent to like a 12-fret O-size Martin. And uh, number nine, the number nine reason to own a Blue Ridge guitar is their tenor guitars. Now, their tenor guitars are also super cool. There are some other tenor guitars out there that are affordable, but um, I think the Blue Ridge tenor guitars are, are very cool. And my friend Karen Hogue, who some of you may know from Fretboard Journal and Acoustic Guitar Magazine and all that, she has a Blue Ridge tenor guitar. She absolutely loves it. You can check out some of her uh, videos on YouTube of her playing her Blue Ridge tenor. And um, so if you're not familiar with them, uh, tenor guitars are four-string guitars. They were developed uh, right when the steel string industry was taking off. 
and the banjo was falling out of favor with jazz orchestras and and other kinds of you know other kinds of music and tenor banjoists were starting to want to play the guitar so it allowed somebody to play in the uh, the tuning of a tenor guitar but you could also tune them like a soprano ukulele which basically means tune them tune them just like the bottom four strings on a on a uh, a regular six-string guitar, so D, G, B, E, and uh, and there are other tunings. Uh, Celtic musicians uh, use a different tuning um, for tenor guitars, and um, so there's like the viola tuning. There's the the uh, bottom four strings of a acoustic guitar, and I forget right off the top of my head what the Irish uh, Celtic guys uh, tune their tenor guitars to sometimes. But uh, cool instruments. They add a nice vibrant high end over top of uh, in ensemble playing and you know and are good for harmonizing in other words you can have a high harmony uh, with a capo or without you know when you're when you're playing with other musicians and um, and I think when it comes to Martin tenor guitars Martin made a lot of tenor guitars back in the day and I think the most famous uh, of them and I boy I feel so bad I'm going to get probably get ribbing for this at Martin Fest. I can't remember the guy's name right now, who was the tenor uh, guitar player for the Kingston Trio. You should be ashamed of yourself! That's where a lot of people saw the uh, tenor guitar, and and that was you know an integral part of the of the Kingston Trio sound. So... Uh, so you had, you know, you had the D28, and you had the banjo, but then you had the tenor guitarist that put this nice high-end, high-end... Uh, you know, ringing harmony out over top of the uh, the uh, instruments. So, um, so Blue Ridge makes uh, three tenor guitars right now. And do you have any tenor guitars? Uh, three types of tenor guitars. You know, from the different levels. So, do you have any uh, Blue Ridge tenor guitars in stock? Uh, technically, yes. We do have the BR60T right now. But uh, when they do make a BR40T. A BR40TCE, which is a cutaway with electronics, and a BR70T, which is a really pretty pearly version. But sadly, the only thing we have in stock right now as we're taping this is the BR60T. It's like a style 28 rosewood instrument, but we do have more on order. And from time to time, we at least like to try to keep one mahogany, one rosewood in stock as often as possible. But they really are pretty cool. I actually started working out some ukulele songs about four or five months ago, and that gave me the nerve to try and work out some of the same things on what was the BR40T before we sold our last one. And then like a lot of other things in life, once I sold that and it went out on a FedEx truck, I got too busy to do anything else and I forgot to go back to it. But I, I would agree, I, I'm very happy that you chose the Blue Ridge Tenors as the number nine reason to buy Blue Ridge. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, and just to point out that the 40 that he was referring to, those are mahogany, and basically similar to a Martin-style 18 instrument, and, and the one that actually does come with a cutaway and a pickup. Um, and then the 70 is the other high-end uh, rosewood instrument with a pearl trim. So uh, uh, nice, uh, nice, different sound, and... Uh, for people who like to experiment and and uh, and also they're very comfortable. They're a relatively small guitar and they're they uh, they're easy to play, uh, slender neck and all that. So so that's it. That's the number nine reason to own a Blue Ridge guitar. Back to you, Maury. Back to me. Okay, I'm in charge again. I think it's time for us to play twenty questions. Ooh. 
So I have to pick a Martin guitar that is available, still in production, and available for sale, and Mari has to guess it in 20 questions, including up to three guesses of a model. So, Swami now has a Martin guitar model in his mind. You now have 20 questions. On the clock, go. Is this guitar a dreadnought? Yes. Is this guitar a 14 fret dreadnought with a full body depth? Those are two questions, Ugh. but yes, and yes. Okay, that's two and three. I'll, I'll play fair. Does this guitar have a bound neck? Yes. Do I own this guitar? Personally? No. Certainly not that I know of. Does this guitar have pearl on the top? No. Is this guitar a D35? No. That's seven. Is this guitar an HD35? Yes! <laughs> it is! An eight. Eight questions. That's right, that's right. He got it right. You guessed it. The HD35 is uh, came out in the 1970s, uh, shortly after the... Oh, I may have come out in the 1960s, actually. I don't remember now. The D35 came out in 1966. And originally, it was uh, gave them a reason... Uh, they needed to use up beautiful Brazilian rosewood that wasn't big enough to make a two-piece back. So they came up with the three-piece back with the center wedge that... Uh, so you have book matches on the side, and then you got a new a center wedge that's from a different, uh, you know, different log. And um, and they looked gorgeous. Uh, they made them with quarter-inch bracing, which uh, which they referred to as double-O bracing at the time. And in fact, the back braces were double-O, the same size that they have on double-Os. Uh, nowadays, they are, all Martins have those smaller back braces. But um, back then, they, the, the D35 was the first dreadnought to have those smaller bracing. And they went with the quarter-inch bracing because they weren't scalloping bracing at the time, and they were trying to get something that was resonant like the scallop brace Martins from the 30s and without having to train their staff how to scallop braces. And they accidentally invented a whole new sound with that big, round, yet focused bass throb that you get from a D35 and real focused uh, trebles. So then they came out with the HD35, it must have been 70s, when they went back to, to scallop bracing. So they came out with the HD28, first Martin with scallop bracing, dreadnought in, in, uh, since the 30s. And then they did the same thing with the HD35. They added the herringbone and really cool uh, herringbone back strips on those three-piece back and added scallops. So they have scalloped quarter-inch bracing, Indian rosewood, spruce top, I think it is the, uh, has the most luscious uh, bass response with that real echoey 
resonance. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think there's another Martin out there that has the same kind of amazing uh, bassy and uh, really over the entire uh, tonal spectrum that that real lush vibrato uh, resonance of the HD35. I would agree. It's not just the bass strings, but the entire voice of that instrument just has a warmth and a big blanket in it. And I don't want to make it sound like it's muted or muddy, but there's something even warm about the, the mid-range and some of the trebles. The HD35 just seems to have this, this like soup about it. And if you like basic instruments and you're not looking at the HD35, you're just, I'll say it, you're just being a fool. And I'm thinking, when I say all that, I'm thinking of the big strummers and the big strum stuff. We know people who have that guitar who uh, finger pick or play lightly, uh, like Mikey Bono. And uh, when he's doing some of his, you know, Beatle tunes and stuff like that, he, he gets a beautiful sound out of it. So it's not just this big, you know, roaring monster of a guitar. But if you like big roaring monsters of a guitar, it's the first thing I would tell people to look at. Um, when you, if that's what you're looking for, but when you lay off and you play uh, with, um, you know, finger picking, like I said, or light, you still get that good bass throb. So it's like having your own sort of bass player when you're playing those alternate thumb bass notes and stuff like that. So it's very versatile guitar, um, and uh, so check it out if you never played one. Try to get your hands on an HD35. Thank you very much for the always enjoyable episode of Twenty Questions. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yes, you did. You did nail it, I have to say. So, Boy, uh, am I going to be thoroughly depressed next time I get like a 20 or a 19 in that game, or, or like the one time where I just did not have enough questions and I never guessed it at all. I wasn't going to say anything, but... Well, okay, well, we're almost out of time, and so I think it's... Uh, so we've been talking about Guitar Center and the possible future without a guitar center i think the elephant in the room this whole time has been what does this mean for martin because martin is one of those dealers that has i don't know i'd say relied on guitar center but they have certainly taken advantage of guitar center to sell an enormous amount of martin product whether it's guitars or or peripherals and uh, and strings and all that so um i mean i don't know uh, i don't know if if uh I wonder how this would affect Martin personally, financially, if they had, a, do they have a bunch of investments at stake, or if it's just sale, projected sales at stake. Um, what do you think? I'd have to think that anytime a manufacturer has a customer as big as Guitar Center, if things start to go south or end up south, it, it's got to be problematic. And I don't mean to imply that Martin couldn't land on their feet or they don't have a contingency plan in place. I'm sure they know this video is like the, the 500th time this has come up. We can't believe that anybody at Martin would be surprised to eventually see it happen. So that said, there have to be so many people in the top brass at Martin that know if this is coming, what are we going to do? The people that I know there, they probably had this plan in place where if this would have happened three years ago, they know what they're going to do about it. I don't think it's going to be comfortable and I don't expect it to be you know, anything minor, but they, they have to have something in place. What if any dealer, for good or bad reasons, had to completely stop ordering Martin guitars for reasons that are complete surprises? What if Sweetwater said, you know what, here's this crazy reason. I can't explain it now, but we can't buy any more guitars. Anytime somebody that big at, at any manufacturer, it, it would have to be 
really uncomfortable and and strange. I I'm gonna watch it closely and and I I don't necessarily think that Guitar Center sinking would sink Martin or would allow Martin to sink anyone else in the dealer network, but it, it's it's got to be a gigantic hassle. I mean I I'm sure it's it's just restructuring and I, I would. I would be willing to bet that the first thing Martin would do is announce to the rest of the dealer network, there's guitars we had projected that were going to them. Now they're going to be available for sale. What should we do with them? And I, you know, I, I, I probably know a little bit more than you do about the Martin dealer relationship. And after that, I'm, I'm as much in the dark, really. Well, I would say, however, you, you really put a silver lining on it when you were talking about the fact that right now... You and other dealers are waiting a long time for standard series, 16 series, uh, modern deluxe series, and I guess 15 and 17 series uh, to some extent. And so this might be a big boon for people like you. And so maybe Martin would not take that much of a hit if they were able to move up. Uh, but you also pointed out, you know, some dealers may not be able to... Uh, their cash flow may not allow them to take advantage of that. But that, I have a feeling, it will be a good thing. If I'm right that that there's an awful lot of uh, Mexican-made Martin product uh, that is suddenly going to become available and, and they are going to have to you know hold on to it, I don't know. I do know that Chris Martin said that, that they did very well uh, through most of the pandemic. And that he um, he had ended up with too much product because he didn't foresee a you know there was a financial downturn there that he hadn't predicted, and they ended up with too much product. Well, that changed with the pandemic, and so I you know I agree. I think Martin's going to land on their feet and be interesting. To talk about people you know talk to people about some of this uh, this week, and I had promised at the beginning we were going to end this in a high note by having a little preview of Martin Fest. So uh, if you're not familiar with Martin Fest, uh, which would be hard to believe if you've been following us uh, online, <laughs> uh, uh, Mari and I met at the very first event that they now call Martin Fest back in 2002. And um, on a weekend, it used to always be in August this year, it's the last weekend in July, People descend on Nazareth and they take tours of the factory on Friday or sometimes on Monday because uh, they, uh, they're closed on Saturday and Sunday. But then we get together at a big, beautiful pavilion in uh, Borough Park there, which is just down the street from the factory. But it's got the public pool there and snacks, you know, snack shop. Uh, they have a base, you know, softball diamond there. They actually have a, a bigger uh, facility there with real grandstands and stuff. And really pretty... Uh, get together, play, have an open mic, meet up with old friends and new friends, check out everybody's Martin guitars and other uh, brands of instruments that people bring. Saturday is Martin on Main, which is an all-day uh, presentation on a stage in the, in the city square, which is actually a circle, and uh, in the town square, uh, where people from the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum do sets. And I will be performing a set there at 4 o'clock, uh, thunderstorms permitting. And I have a special guest who happens to be on this podcast with me that's going to be uh, sitting in with me. So you can see Marion Spoon live this Saturday in Nazareth, Pennsylvania at 4 p.m. Uh, Sunday we go back to the park. But 
Don't let us fool you. It's really about the all-night parties at the hotel. That's what really brings us back year after year. And the song <laughs> circles that could sometimes last till 3 or 4 in the morning. So um, so that's what it's like. Uh, what are you looking forward to for um, Martin Fest this year? I don't want to sound funny, but I was going to say almost exactly the same stuff, and I won't waste anybody's time. He's right about the evenings. If you can't be at all of Martinfest and you only have enough time to go and do a little bit, get yourself to the hotel after dark because it's just that's where all that's where everything is that I I remember the most. I mean, it's so much fun in the afternoons, and of course the Martin on Main. I'm very honored and thrilled to be playing with Spoon and some other friends. Uh, th- not to take away from that stuff, but the people that go to those events and then they drive home. And then they read about what happened in the evenings, you know, much later. Oh, it's 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 such a foul taste in your mouth to find out what you missed out on. It, it's just so much camaraderie. <laughs> I think a, most of the unscripted um, bumping into somebody you weren't sure was going to be there and see their guitar and, and a lot of the a lot of the major memories that I have were in the evenings. And I say that because as Spoonos, the very first year, I was too smart for that, and I drove down during the day. I'm only an hour from the, the, the factory, so I drove down to the festivities, drove home. The next afternoon, I went and did it again, drove home, and then only found out way too late that all the fun was at the hotel, and it's it, it really is that much fun. Uh, we haven't missed one in 20 years, so if you think we're just kind of invested in this or it's kind of a good thing to do talking about a world without guitar center i could not imagine a world without umgf martin fest <laughs> it's been 21 um because we they had to they cancel the one of course over the pandemic so the first one was in august of 2002 and so yeah. this will be the 21st and um so you know more power to them uh, the uh, moderators of the unofficial martin guitar forum that keep this thing going and we certainly appreciate it so so uh hopefully our listeners will may be able to make it some people will be coming to the very first martin fest this year and there's new people every year and you'll you would if you've never been and you'd like to come you you'll you'll be shocked at how welcome you are so so think about it and uh and i'm looking forward to seeing mari in person for the first time in a long time and uh thank you me too. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> Looking forward to it uh, big time. So, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, what he said. Guys, it's been so much fun. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate all your support. And if you're the kind of person that likes to put reviews together, please consider heading over to Apple Podcast and leaving a review for us. We might even read your review on the air. Johnny I writes, Greetings from China. I've been listening to this podcast show on my way to office and home. It's a great show to learn about Martin guitars, and for me, a great option to learn English as well. I love Mari's hosting style and the jokes, and Spoon's endless knowledge about Martin guitars. Keep going, please. How cool is that? Oh, I think it's really, really cool. I'm always amazed. I, I have, you know, I always say I have too much trouble with English as it is, so I've tried to learn French, and, and I just, I never developed that part of my brain, so I have absolute respect for anybody who speaks uh, more than one language and uh, English is particularly hard for uh, people who are coming to it as a second language because it's such a mishmash of so many other languages that it has so many exceptions and rules that make no sense whatsoever unlike Spanish which you know the syntax and the rules all make sense they don't have the kind of gobbledygook that that English speakers have to to 
you know, put up with. But um, so great. That's great, Johnny. I'm really happy to hear from you from all that way. And uh, we look forward to uh, future reviews from other listeners. Johnny, that is so cool to hear. We really, really do appreciate your commentary. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. <laughs>